You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. The content of this radio show is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome to One Soul Radio, an interactive conscious conversation grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. Hope everybody's doing well today. We are the show that is grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit, which we believe is a rare hybrid that you're not apt to find anywhere else on the airwaves. This is a show for you and by you, a virtual community creating conscious conversation and a chance to delve a little deeper into the questions, the mysteries of life, in a way, I like to say that, in a way that you can't do anywhere else, really. Uh, my name is Callie Alpert. I'm here in the central Hudson Valley in New York with my dear friend and co-host, Steve Hassenberg. Hello, Callie. Hello. How we're are you waiting, today? We're waiting for the big rainstorm. Oh, you're going to get baptized in California. Yeah, in L.A., we're always waiting for the rain. <laughs> Sounds like a song. We wait for months. And then usually what happens is the rain never gets here. But the anticipation is always there. It's, it's The expectation level is very high today. Yeah. Okay, good. Well. <laughs> if anybody knows you, they know you're not mired in expectations typically, so it's sort of funny to hear you say that. Um, you're going against tight today. So let's ask our viewers, beloved viewers, even if we can't see you, raise your hand if you are not from a dysfunctional family. It's just so fun to say that. <laughs> Can I get a count out there? Can I get a witness? Were you raised in um, with anger, perhaps, in your household, even mental illness, basic discord, perhaps something even more severe, addiction, or perhaps abuse? Well, you are not alone. In fact, you're well probably part of about 99% of all humans on the planet. Um, have you felt that you've had to grow up um, in a way that um, you, you still have created some story narratives that are still following you? that are keeping you from forming healthy relationships, succeeding in work, being happy. Well, today our show is The Gifts of Dysfunctional Families. We're going to turn this topic on its head. We're going to offer you up some new ways to view your dysfunctional past that you've probably never thought of before. And we are going to offer you some silver linings. The angels might even play in a little aria as we do that. And provide some action steps to transform your tough past into current and future gifts. So if you'd like to join us, that's um, what we're, we're here for. It's what we welcome uh, with questions, with stories you'd like to share, with advice that you'd like to hopefully get from us. The call-in number is 816-251-3555. So we are happy to have you. So let's start with <laughs> a nice, broad question what makes a family dysfunctional like how do you define in your professional psychotherapist expertise head what defines the word dysfunctional what makes a family dysfunctional well on one level it's unhappiness people who are very unhappy people who become sad people who have violent thoughts people who have uh, want to create retribution um, all of these things happen because there are many conflicting energies in dysfunctional families. So not having looked up the definition of it, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd say it's a unit. I'm going to be very scientific. It's a unit of people who have the many conflicting desires, conflicting beliefs, conflicting needs, and many of them not being met over a period of time. Mm -hmm. How about, well, did you like that? Yeah, and I think that resonates. I think that's a really good broad description of what it is because it didn't, It really <clears throat> embodies most 
people probably that, you know, that we can name. And most people have, I think there's a lot of varying degrees of what dysfunction is, but I do think that that sort of cuts the swath wide um, and make sure that we don't leave anybody out. I don't want to leave anybody out (laughs) on this topic. (laughs) We want to, we want everybody to feel included in this one. We do. Um, So I, you know, when I, uh, thinking about this topic as we do, you know, I definitely came from a highly dysfunctional family and I didn't know it when I was a kid. You know, I knew that I was uncomfortable. I knew that I was hiding from a lot of raging and anger and all kinds of other things we'll get into more deeply in a few moments, but I didn't know anything else. So I'm not sure I was conscious of the fact that anything was wrong. And I was also taught on some probably unspoken level to not talk about episodes and funky things that happened in our house. So there was a veil of secrecy too that trained me mm-hmm. that maybe nothing was wrong. What about you? Did you know that things were a little fakakta in your household? I like to throw in some Yiddish every once in a while. Yeah, well, let's go back to what you said. Yeah. Uh, secrets. Mm-hmm. Dysfunctional families have a lot of secrets. Mm-hmm. And they have very strong boundaries and strong sense of what's right and what's wrong. And um, you could say that functional families, which we'll get to today, uh, are have learned through time how to resolve, how to communicate, how to listen, how to be patient. So there are beautiful qualities that functional families have that dysfunctional families can learn. So going back to your question, um, I, I was the unhappy child. Um, and that's why I used that at the beginning. Mm. I did not know I was in a dysfunctional family. All I knew was that I felt terrorized. All the time? A lot. Yeah, a lot. A lot. I felt, I, I never knew it was coming down the pike. Yeah. How my father would feel when he got home from work what his demands were going to be, what his mood was. And so I was always second guessing, what should I do? What shouldn't I do? How do you keep him stable? These are powerful things, Mm -hmm. but you don't know it's dysfunctional. You just know it's your life. Right. And it's amazing because you're still, you're, you're forming. And so you're, even as you're describing that dynamic, I can almost see you in my mind's eyes, this open, blank canvas sponge um, that just start like the circuitry and the default mechanisms and reflexes just start forming unconsciously to survive. We're not conscious of this, right? I think the other thing that's um, that's interesting to point out at the top of the show too is that um, there's a distinction. I, I don't think based on what you just said about the definition of dysfunction, it doesn't mean that nothing's wrong. Because that in and of itself, I think that claim has a different context of um, dysfunction to it. If you claim nothing's wrong or you come from a family where things are glossed over and everything's perpetually pleasant, I think it's the difference, like you just referred to, as having the tools or not, being willing to do the work and create clean and safe boundaries and forms of communication in order to create more of a happy homeostasis, right? Trying yeah, to impress you with my psychological terminology. <laughs> that was the old Woody Allen, <laughs> Diane Keaton family, mm. where they, Woody Allen would show these crazy Jewish people screaming and yelling. <laughs> and Diane Keaton would come from this family where mm. everybody was very calm and collected, mm-hmm. but underneath it was a cesspool. Right. <laughs> right. So it's like, who gets to be the mouthpiece for the dynamic? Who's the lucky winner of like letting all the angst come out? And often that person is considered the crazy one, but often they're just the one that's the most porous, right? Or the most right. vocal or whatever. Um, and I don't relate at all to the crazy Jewish part. Just need to note that and in terms of your Woody Allen reference. And I'm I have a, I have a bit kidding. of it. I have a bit of it. Yeah. I both. Uh, we both do. We both have New Jersey. As much as you, yeah, you've um, you've definitely re- is it renounced your your Jewish New Jersey roots way more than I have, but um, we both have it in our blood, don't we? We do. So, in terms of just establishing the idea of what um, dysfunction is, I think um, you know you 
one of the one of the biggest goals of our show today is to help people with a completely new perspective and a new lens as a way to revisit, process, and perhaps even transmute all of their long-standing challenges and mm-hmm. story lines and narratives that come from their families of origin. Because most of us, I think, at some point or another, um, feel very trapped by the dynamics and the trauma that we've experienced and the lack of modeling of healthy relationships and dynamics. So you sort of have a very, I think, magical and powerful and important lens that is our intention of the show today, which we'd like to share. So would you like to reveal that? Uh, Yes, it's going to be revealed. It's under a red scarf. (laughs) Um, Blow on it and it'll, it'll, it'll excavate what I'm going to reveal is that um, in a spiritual perspective, let's say from Tibet, the idea in Tibet is that we choose our mothers and fathers. Mm-hmm. But not only that, our mothers and fathers choose us. But we don't choose on the basis of what would please us the most. We choose on the basis of what would grow us the most. Mm-hmm. And so if we choose based on what would grow us the most as souls, then we select people to come into incarnations with who are not going to be the most fun. (laughs) In fact, (laughs) putting it mildly, they might be the most challenging. Mm. But the idea from the Eastern perspective is that the people you choose, you have karma with. And what we learned from our karma show is that karma is an opportunity and not a punishment. So you see that as a soul, and we can talk more about this, and you lose sight of it. You forget um, that you made that choice, and you wind up feeling that the stork brought you to the wrong house. (laughs) But what we know is if you... you, um, if you are willing to open yourself up to this idea, or if you're familiar with this sort of concept, that it's always the right house, isn't it? It's always the right house. And the other thing to remember is that nobody comes to the earth experience complete. We come fragmented. We come to do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. We don't want to do a lot of work. No, we don't. We just want to have popcorn and Pepsi. But... Speak for I could yourself, pick up something right? way, way sexier than that, but go ahead. I take your point. <laughs> okay. So we want to have pleasure and we don't want to go through the pain and the challenges of hard work. But if if you think about it, nobody comes here complete. We come here to attempt to complete aspects of ourselves. And we do that with other people in the family who are also incomplete. Mm. And so, of course, they're going to be jarring relationships. And that's what be, that's really where the idea of the dysfunctional family begins. It's dysfunctional by design. And it's dif- dysfunctional because souls want to have adventures. Mm. Even if they're if even if we have a whole new meaning for what the word adventure means. Yes, exactly. Right. right? So, you know, if I'm. If, if I'm sitting and listening to, to the show and I'm not as familiar with um, Eastern philosophies and principles, or I think this sounds like a big crock of BS and that sounds really great, but why in the heck would I have ever chosen my mother? Um, I think one of the answers to that, besides the idea of um, doing a lot more work around just creating a practice or a belief system in these types of philosophies, because it does help if you have that type of foundation to to buy into what we're suggesting, um, is if you think about it from the opposite perspective, you know, a lot of people, when they meet people that they have um, fast friendships with, or they find the love of their life, or a mentor, or have a child that feels like a soulmate, and you use those words like kindred spirit or soulmate soulmate we're talking about the exact same thing that's just the part that feels much better that's also karmic right because those are the ones that we find that we might not have as much work to do remaining with but we find them again in this lifetime less work and more beauty and thank god we have that well it's nice to be reminded of yeah (laughs) of parts where karma feels nice yeah because we have an equal 
sometimes not equal, but let's say the idea is to have an equal balance of beauty and resonance and love as we have with challenges. And uh, we always want to get back to the love and that's a great motivating factor in order to get through these difficult relationships to get back to love, love for ourselves and love for the other people we're with. I think the other thing that um, someone once explained to me many years ago when I was learning a little earlier in my stage of learning about the idea of karma and past lives with people and how we have our, you know, our, our pods that continue with us lifetime after lifetime um, is that, uh, you know, it, it, we don't remember. It's almost like the reason we don't remember when we take birth is because it's the same reason that when you see a promo for a movie, they don't tell you the ending of the movie, you know, so we as as beings come into these earthly bodies of ours, we don't remember everything that we're talking about right now because right. that's, that's living on another dimension. And so right. there's a feeling and a resonance or a lack thereof that's inside of these relationships that um, sort of speaks to, you know, why, uh, why it's not something that is obvious to us. And it is, I think it is a premise that you have to choose to have um, belief in or else it just, it's not going to help you. Yeah, I mean, so many things are beliefs. And so you're right, we don't remember our celestial heritage. I wish we did sometimes. You know, I like all that. I'm obsessed. But some people remind, poets remind us about that. Mm. And certain writers remind us and certain music reminds us. And it takes us back to something beyond this human life. And so we need those reminders. That's what they're there for. Wise people are around. Artists are around, all the artists from the Middle Ages painting gorgeous pictures of not just God, but the angelic realms mm. to remind us more of where we came from. Yeah, the ones that are still tapped in even when they're here in body, right? Absolutely. So if you're just joining us, you're listening to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. We are talking about the gifts of dysfunctional families we are trying to reframe the idea of the very difficult and challenging roads a lot of us sign up for with our families of origin and reframe it in a way that might be more helpful um, to look at it as an opportunity to heal. If you'd like to call in, we'd love to hear from you. The number here is 816-251-3555. So let's have some real fun because Steve and I always talk about how we're, we want to be vulnerable in the way that we ask you to be with us and share our own experiences and stories because they're all so much fun to think about. <laughs> Let's talk about our early experiences in our families of origin and what it is that we experienced that sort of laid the framework for our greatest lessons, which we'll get to a little bit later. You know, I think that idea of being able to speak about these things is very healthy. Mm. Because as a psychotherapist, I'm, I one of the things I do almost always, is get people to talk. To talk <laughs> You're very about good at that. Getting people to talk about things that are difficult, mm. but sometimes getting to talk, getting people to talk about things that are beautiful. Mm. People have trouble with that as well. And so I, the first idea that came to mind when you said you were going to pick on me was that <laughs> well, that's so I don't have to go first because it's much easier <laughs> to listen to you than to talk about my own travails. So uh, what I remembered just in that instant, my mother was a, a wonderful painter and she taught uh, art classes in our home when I was growing up. And that was one of the great memories that come to me. And she used to take me out to uh, an area around Princeton, New Jersey, and we used to sit together and she put her easel up and she'd create these wonderful paintings. And I was absolutely mesmerized by what she was doing. And we'd sit there and talk and mm. talk about philosophy and smell the spring air. And so that was a good memory, a beautiful memory, even though I come from a very dysfunctional family, which I'm also happy to talk about. <laughs> I was going to say, is that your worst? Is that your most dysfunctional memory? <laughs> I think then we're going to have to stop the show if that's the case. Um, what about some of the, and, and we share that in common. We both have um, 
moms that uh, are were painters and and art and um and art teachers too. So it's isn't that wild? How I we know. have that together. I know we do. So you're asking what was a more difficult experience? My sister was schizophrenic. Already, all I have to say is my sister was schizophrenic. And um, she used to have these nightmares all the time. And um, I remember waking up in the middle of the night with my sister either crying or screaming about what happened to her. And my mother wanting to take care of her. And my father telling everybody to shut up because mm-hmm. he had to get up for work in the morning. Mm-hmm. Now, we could get into that. And I'm happy to do it. But that gives you the flavor. Of the, the setting in your household. Yeah. So we have a caller, which I'm going to use as a convenient. Ex- no, I'm just kidding. I will, I will get back to me in my experience. Um, but we do have a caller that's on hold. So let's take a listen and see what um, she has to say. Hello, caller. Are you there? I'm here. Hi. What's your name Hi. and where are you calling from? Um, my name is Jan, and I'm calling from Los Angeles. And I wanted to respond to um, the question I have just um, just lines up with what Steve was just saying about the dynamic in his family. When his sister would wake up screaming, the mother is trying to comfort her. The father is, is, um, needs to get to work. He's thinking about how exhausted he is. Mm. Steve would be freaked out, I guess. And it reminds me so much of a dynamic in my own family. None of those elements, but Mm -hmm. the stuckness that that gets everybody in and out of that how do you recover why is it so difficult for families to be loving kind and normal rather than continue Mm. that dysfunction that just compounds Mm -hmm. and gets worse and worse and you finally turn 18 and you can't wait to get the hell out of Mm. there May I ask a question before we um, offer you an answer? Uh, I don't know if yes. this is digging a little too. And you're, uh, please feel free to to stop where you're where you are. But can you set a little bit more of a specific stage for us about the dynamic that you're referring to in your family? Whatever you're comfortable sharing. Well, uh, my family just we were all so different. Nobody liked each other. Mm. And uh, and I I had a um, a mother that would be considered abusive in this day and age in the South in the 50s. It was just considered discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, she was very, very physically abusive. So I walked around hiding, afraid to, um, uh, uh, afraid I was going to always do something wrong, never knowing what I was going to do wrong until it was too late and and uh, you know the shoe dropped. Um, and then there was the you know, there would be the younger sister that was um, uh, clearly the mother's favorite. Um, why? I I don't know. Maybe she was sickly. I don't know. Mm. Um, which could be a similar dynamic to what Steve is talking about. Um, an older sister that was a scapegoat that um, everybody uh, turned on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that was our dynamic. And it was just impossible to get to sweetness and kindness. Everybody was just on it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you for sharing that. I'd love to hear from Steve as the professional psychotherapist first. Well, um, it's as you know, it's a very difficult situation because what it takes to communicate, most people who are dysfunctional don't have the capacity or never learned uh, to step back from themselves to take a look at how perhaps they're instigating the situation, to have the ability to listen, to have the patience or stillness inside. Listening takes a tremendous amount of patience. Mm. And so the spiraling of the, the dysfunctional family that I came from and that you um talking about that spirals because people don't know how to step back 
and really get some insight about themselves and their behavior, about their belief systems, about what they think is right or wrong, what they're willing to tolerate. And um, I'm going to go into that. If you hold on, we're going to take a break. And so I'll go into that a little bit more when we get back from the break. So before and before we do that, we have another um, just another uh, half a minute here before we um, cut away. But um, I think also, Jen, speaking to what you just um, set up in terms of the different dynamic and kind of the varying tiers, it's a very familiar. I know a lot of stories like that. I've happened to have dated a lot of men in those dynamics, too, where we called them. the They were sort of known as the sac- sacrificial lamb of the family, where there's mm-hmm. certainly not well, there's nothing rational about most of what we're talking about. That's where the deeper piece of this goes. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that there's. You know, um, a lot of times there's not a real rationale for what it is. And you're right, there's deeper stories. There's unconscious reasons that certain kids are favored in families. There's so many different complications and so many different dynamics. So we definitely, if you're, are you able to hold on so we can talk a little bit more about this after the break? Okay, great. Okay, great. So if you're listening and you'd like to join in the conversation, please call us at 816-251-3555. We're talking about the gifts of dysfunctional families. Even though getting into the nuts and bolts is a little hard and a little uncomfortable, we are here to turn it around to recognize the gifts and the advantages of um, digging into your family stories. So we will be back shortly. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to One Soul Radio with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. We are talking about the gifts of dysfunctional families. If you'd like to join the conversation, we'd love to hear from you at 816-251-3555. We were in the middle of a call with Jan, which we're going to continue now. And then I see we have a few other callers on hold. We're happy to see your names waiting and we'll get we'll get to you momentarily. So Jan, are you still there? Can you hear me? Thank you. Okay. Hi. Thank you for hanging in with us there. So we were talking about, um, I think your last question was, we were clarifying that, you know, why is it that it it feels like certain people don't want to come from a place of kindness or don't have the desire or dare I say the consciousness to want to find resolve, right? Is that our outstanding question? What? Can you hear me okay? Yes, I'm sorry. I missed that last part. I just wanted to clarify your question that was still uh, waiting to be answered. I think we left off when we were talking about um, your desire to understand why certain families don't come from a place of a de- of a desire to resolve things. There's yeah. still in that yeah. pattern of perpetuating the dysfunction, right? Yeah, and 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 more love and kindness. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so I'm going back to what we were talking about briefly. Uh, the way it begins to transform, let's say a person uh, decides that their anger is out of control and they take an anger management class. Somebody who um, has a deep love for a member of the family doesn't want the family to break apart and is then motivated out of necessity to begin learning about themselves and the part they play in the dysfunction. So what Callie said is right. It has to do with kind of an evolutionary urging. And that could be prompted from your soul, from your higher self, from your heart. And if you have that urging, there there may be an attempt to grow. And so right. the the families that don't do better and get worse or families that aren't aren't willing, maybe one member, two members, all the members, 
aren't willing to grow, aren't willing to look inside. And the families that do start to move toward loving kindness understand that there's a higher purpose and the uh, profound importance of the family is something that they that motivates them and so mm. there's a change of consciousness mm. does that does that help you john does that give you any oh, sense of resolve yeah. or clarity it does thank you thank you so much for calling we always appreciate our callers and your support and your candor most importantly so we hope that helps thank it you so, you know, to Jan's question and point, like when I think about my family, you know, and I was raised with a lot of fighting and a lot of histrionics and an undiagnosed narcissistic personality disorder um, with my mom and interspersed with loads of fun and joy and celebration. So we were perpetually on this roller coaster, you know, where we were on one hand cowering, um, you know, my sister and I cowering in our bedroom out of fear because of the rage in our household. And then also amazing memories like you cited earlier, and then a lot of crazy in between. And so, you know, one of the things that there's so many ways that it impacts us, but for me, it was, um, I never really learned that love was reliable or consistent. That was not something that was modeled to me. And so I started, you know, Again, these things play out in so many different ways in relationships, but you start pulling in that dynamic and repeating a lot of those um, those those uh, relationships and um, and roles. But the one thing I wanted to add to Jan's point too is that often, and I know you can speak to this, um, is that it's not a collective thing. There's certain family members that are there to hold up mirrors to the ones that are willing to do the work and do want to grow when the majority majority might not want to grow. Right. And it becomes a process, ideally, if you're into a practice or you get into therapy or whatever your inner work becomes, that it can get lonely and difficult because you're never going to get validation from the whole of that dynamic. You're, have to, you're going to have to give it to yourself. You're going to have to get it from your professional guides or your spirit team or whatever, your siblings, whoever is, you know, in solidarity with you. But often these dynamics are there so that some of us can grow and some of us never will. So that's, um, that's definitely a piece of it right there. Um, we have another caller. I'm going to get on the line right now. Callers, are you there? I see two names. Hi, are you calling us? Hi, (laughs) yes. Can you tell us who you are and where you're calling from? Okay, so we are Greg and Nicole, and we're calling from New Zealand. We have a couple, I assume. We have a couple. We have a couple, a happy functioning couple. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. That's great. Thank you for joining us. Do you have a question, or would you like to share a story or just some thoughts? I think just listening to what you were saying, we have an interesting experience in that we, we grew up with very, very different family situations. Mine was mine was very calm and, and, and simple, really, very, very basic. Whereas Nicole grew up in a much more tumultuous family. Um mm. but we found each other and and that mm. you know, those old soul connections that you were talking about seems to have and happened and worked for us. Mm. And, and Steve, I identified a lot with what you said about your childhood, you know, waiting for your father to come home and figuring out how to navigate the movement yes. on behalf of yourself and on behalf of the family. And um, the one thing, and, I, and I, I, I hope that this resonates with some of the people listening on this call, is you know, it, because you grew up that way doesn't mean that the new family that you build has to be that way. Right. And if you look in between the lines of dysfunctionality, sometimes there are gifts. Um, and, and I did extensive work on myself and... I've had an opportunity to break the cycle mm-hmm. and build my own family in, in a way that's completely different than the way I was raised. Mm. Did any of your so, family of origin members come along with you on that ride of doing that work or were you the, the lone warrior? Lone warrior, but, um, mm-hmm. but that's fine because I think um, the gift that it did give me was a sense of drive. Mm. Um when you you stop expecting so much from your family, it frees you to move ahead on a path of your own, mm. and um, and that's 
that's pretty much the, the route that I took. And then in, in meeting Greg, I never looked back. I never asked for permission. I never needed approval from anyone. I just forged ahead and built my own life. And so sometimes you have to think of it as almost free if you let go mm. of expectations of being accepted by a family that may have never accepted you and may never accept you in the future. Um, it's hard work. Um, but it, it is. But I'm I'm living proof that you can if you grow up in a dysfunctional childhood, it doesn't mean you have to have a dysfunctional life. Mm, beautifully said, and cycle. so inspiring. I'm I'm curious then when um, when the two of you got together, did you bring any of your? I mean, we all do inevitably, and uh, for better and for worse, our old stories and our old narratives. Did any of those opposites? get in your way or need to be dealt with? Or do you think that you had dealt with them mostly before you two met each other? No, I I, I think um, I I was, I was in the middle of my work when, when Greg and I met and um, he, he, you know, he found ways to support me, mirror me and work with me. Um, And I think in doing so, he found, you know, some ways that I could mirror back to him so that we could continue on this life path. Instead of veering apart, we we now know to keep each other together on that path by by staying close. Nicole was much more touchy-feely than I was. Now he's really (laughs) (laughs) touchy-feely. I was much more reserved and and held things in. And by helping me, it opens you up and it keeps us close. Uh huh. Uh huh. You forced me to to open up and <laughs> communicate because I do it. <laughs> yes. Well, but that you know what that's an yes. interesting point that the two of you are bringing up. Given that um, it sounds like Greg, you came from the you said the more simple dynamic in the family, and yet you also are describing yourself as more stoic or less touchy feely. That to me is interesting, right? And I mean, there's so many reasons that can um, yield. You know, that can. Uh, um, create, you know, somebody who's more affectionate or, or, or less affectionate. But I often think when you're in a family of dysfunction, one of the blessings and one of the silver linings that comes from a lot of craziness or tumult and not having a voice inside of that mess is that you really learn how to create your voice. If you're determined to, you really learn how to find your sense of expression and your desire to express your, your love in a way that maybe if you didn't mm-hmm. have to, um, I almost say fix something, but un- undo and unpack challenges, it might not have developed as loudly. I don't know. Does that resonate, Steve, for you? Yeah, as I pro? was going to say that one of the interesting things that Nicole brought up is that I use my dysfunctional family as a model of what not to do mm-hmm. when I was mm-hmm. building my own family. And so I mm-hmm. had all these pointers that were very detailed. <laughs> And very ingrained in me about who I wanted to be and who I didn't want to be. And so that served me very well, even though there were certain uh, aspects of my uh, nuclear family that came with me that I continued to work with, even when I was in my marriage. Mm. And, you know, the other thing I wanted to ask Greg was, what was it like, since we're talking about 98% 98% of exactly people coming in, from dysfunctional families. What was it like coming from a functional, healthy family? Yeah, what was that? What is that like, Greg? <laughs> How sad that that's, that's so unusual. Um, <laughs> it's very, it, it was very supportive, but it meant, yes, it, it could be very easy to take in a, a, a lazy path. And I think particularly when I was growing up, which was the 60s, um, I grew up in New Zealand. It was a very socialistic system, very much based on the British European model. Mm-hmm. And so a lot, of, a lot of people who I grew up with, they just took the easy path because you would get a job with the government. And I was ca- ca- cradled to grave um, uh, being taken care of by the government, and so that that meant you would you, you know as as opposed to Nicole who 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 found that drive to overcome the obstacles when there right. are no obstacles, it's very easy not to find that. So right. um, I don't know I don't know how I I I I found that drive actually now that I'm now that I'm discussing this, 
But um, but you know what? There's something there's something so sweet about having a Brady Bunch baby Brady Bunch. <laughs> where, Maybe that's why I was addicted to that show. That I was. Right. I mean, that was like my favorite show <laughs> and, back and in the day. That, I wonder well, if that had something to do with it. Right. You know, we only had one, maybe two channels at that point, um, and they were both controlled by the government. And so all of those American Happy Family shows like Brady Bunch <laughs> and Waltons, <laughs> Eight is Enough, we had all of that propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a model, it was, huh? Because that's exactly the, that's the that's the model that America swallowed, not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, it's so different from the sitcoms now and, and shows now. But... Um, yeah, so so to to go back to the original question because I know I strayed from it, um, it it's just it's it's safe. There's there's no other word than that. You're safe to fail and you're safe to succeed, and mm. either option you know was was fine. And and um, that that's a great place to be in. Wow, beautiful. I mean, that's amazing to hear. It's it's good to hear it live and in person because it's not an experience that I'm in any way familiar with, uh, and don't really, I'd have, I'd be hard pressed to think about, I know there probably were people in my childhood where I had access to versions of that. Um, and certainly I know what that feels like now as an adult who's worked through a lot of these, um, issues and challenges, although I haven't really created my, you know, my own family, um, yet, but, um, it's, it's nice to hear. It sounds lovely. And I also um, love that can, you two came from I, different backgrounds and were able to find that overlap in the middle and and find that place of joy so that it hasn't followed anybody. Can I ask a question? Why was that so hard to find in your mm-hmm. your world as a youth? Mm. Well, go ahead, go ahead, Kelly. Go ahead. Well, one thing I, well, I was going to say, I was going to actually quote you, Steve, because <laughs> you always talk about how, you know, humans, um, I mean, it's such a loaded question. I think there's so many different layers to the answer. You always talk about how we humans, for whatever reason, seem to learn more from pain. We set ourselves up to be better students of pain than we do love by nature. I don't know what that's about. I don't know if that's a higher thing, a, div- a divinely orchestrated thing. It seems like that's sort of our nature. Maybe once we take birth and we're more in our heads than we are in our hearts, then we have to unlearn being in our heads to be back in our hearts as a full circle sort of spiritual journey while we're here on this earth. Um, I know this is probably not what you're intending with your question, Greg, but it's what's coming to me, you know, that it's not our natural um, MO. I don't know. Steve, what do you think? I, I think wish it's I... something that I think the beauty, the kindness, the love, the patience, the insight are things that have to be unearthed uh, through time and work. Mm. And just it's what Nicole was talking about, the hard work, um, the mining that you have to do in order to find those beautiful aspects of yourself uh, is not usually what people are signing up for. Mm. And uh, it's easier to smoke some weed or to have a martini or to do all these wonderful things that make us feel more relaxed, but they don't open us to ourselves. And that's really what it takes. Greg was very fortunate in coming up in a family that was very supportive. And so when you have that kind of support without the overarching conflicts, then there is a feeling that um, I'm okay with myself. I can believe in myself. There's love available for me. I feel supported. And that's what um, I've done with my, our kids. Mm. We try to give them that net, that safety net, that we listen to them. They can tell us anything they still do, even though it can shock us. And um, they know they have a place to go where they're going to have loving, unconditional support. Mm. That's amazing. I mean, kudos to all of you speaking as I'm listening to this. I, um, it's again, it's, these are all things that I've aspired to, but none of which I learned, none of which were, or, you know, 99% were not modeled to me. So the idea that, um, right. Number one, we have to work for them. Uh, and number two, we have to recognize that we, that these are things that are aspirational. I consider a gift that's come to me from not having them and not being born of them is that I've had to really recognize 
and catalyze myself to seek them out and, and figure out how to, you know, not let my old stories follow me so that I can, you know, enjoy these things too. I also wonder if some of it is, um, you know, a lot of people would talk about, um, ancestral or cultural, you know, if you want to get deeper here again, you know, a lot of people would say that for certain, I'll, I'll speak for me and my family lineage of, you know, um, Jews that came from Russia and East Europe, for before the Holocaust, which is unusual for my age group, a lot of uh, my peers actually had um, in, in direct family members that survived the Holocaust, but even pogroms in Russia, just a lot of strife and oppression in your bloodline, in your karmic DNA versus other cultural um, heritages that might not have experienced that, yeah. that to the same degree. I don't want to get, you know, too sidetracked here, yeah. but I, I think that there's a, there's, there is something to that too. I've heard that there's a lot of validity in certain circles. Yeah, there's nature and nurture. Right. Right. And so uh, there's certainly I've worked with plenty of families who have alcoholic histories, mm. who have abuse histories, who have Holocaust histories. And that that informs the kind of atmosphere, mm -hmm. the kind of beliefs, the kinds of behaviors that people have. Because these things have extraordinarily stressful, extraordinarily demanding, very painful, and it gives one a sense of life. Life is a struggle, life is painful, and so that's carried forward through time. Mm. Does that offer any sense of solidarity or inspiration for you guys? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, Steve, just going back to what you were saying there. Sorry, it sounds like I'm turning the tables here, but. Oh, please do. When you talk about yeah. all that trauma, is that what's happening now with COVID? Is that. Yes. So, so I'm sorry. Go this ahead. trauma I'm will sorry. pass into future generations. Yes. Yes. Unless people address it. This is the, this is exactly the same thing. It's a worldwide pandemic, which means it's a worldwide crisis, which means that each person relates to it differently. Mm -hmm. Some homes could be very wonderful um, nests for people. Some of the homes could be in upheaval because of it. Some people who have lost their occupations, some people who have lost family members, so that kind of thing is a is a global crisis, which has the same kind of impact as maybe not as severe as the Holocaust, but it's the same idea. It's an interesting question, an interesting answer. Yeah. Does that give you a little perspective on your question, Greg? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But we're really enjoying your show, so thank you for being on air. Oh, good. Spread Thank the word you. down under or down under under. Thank you both. Thank, Thank you both you. so much for calling in and sharing. And God bless. I loved hearing your story. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. So in our remaining moments, before we get to our action steps for tonight's show, uh, let's talk a little bit about, let's just ground some of the, like the way that we've taken our own personal try, um, well, uh, challenges and travails and turn them into things that have, um, that have a positive, uh, benefit or virtue. Um, you know, like for me, the idea of not being, not feeling seen when I was a kid because it, um, I didn't, I wasn't the center of the universe in our household, nor was my, my sister, um, has made me into a great seer of other people. You know, I think it's the heal or heal thyself thing. When you've gone through certain traumas or challenges or gaps in your upbringing, often, if you're lucky, you um, compensate for better or worse. You can overcompensate as well. But in often, often um, cases, the pendulum swings the other way. Similar to what Nicole was saying about the, um, the way she grew up and how that motivated in her an extra drive, which I relate to, too. Um, you know, the idea for me, it was having to prove myself, do more, do better. I'm not being attentive enough. I'm not showing up enough. I'm not showing up, you know, showing myself enough, which was not true, but that was sort of the dynamic that was set up in our family. And, but it did create in me, um, a very self-starting, hardworking, industrious sort of mentality. So, 
you know, the idea of not feeling heard, which is something that was, um, you know, a very big theme of my childhood makes me the interviewer that I am and, and has created an entire 35 year career of being a deep listener and deeply curious about other people's needs and other people's wants. So those are just some examples. The list could go on and on, but I offer them because I think it's helpful for people to maybe look at some of these narratives and challenges and turn them, um, you know, see where the silver linings are, where they've informed them to grow and use them well. Beautiful. And you, my dear? Um, I would say that um, from the beginning, my father being as difficult and as rage-aholic as he was, I turned toward my mother uh, my mother was a shelter in the storm. Mm. And because she was a shelter in my storm, I gravitated toward the feminine. I gravi gravi gra gravitated. <laughs> <laughs> I had gravity toward the feminine. And um, over time, what it did, it, it wasn't the best thing because it was overbalanced. I didn't have early on good male friendships. Mm. My friendships had to do with women because I trusted women more. Mm. And I didn't trust men as much because I didn't know if they'd be consistent. And so my tendency was to find female relationships. And that changed over time as I did my inner work. Mm. So I think the point here in our remaining moments, we're going to get to the action steps um, quickly is just to, again, really sit with if you, you know, if you can sit with and kind of look at your life and often, again, with um, highly advisable professional help, spiritual help, books, meditation, whatever it takes to sort of um, open your heart up to your previous experiences and figure out how to reposition them can be helpful. So tonight we have two action steps. We've condensed our list because this is a thick topic and we want to make it pal um, palatable and applicable for everybody. The first one would be to pick one thing from your family past that was a specific challenge or dynamic. And in retrospect, you were able to turn into a gift similar to what Steve and I just listed quickly. And simply note it, give it some recognition, honor it, write it down on a piece of paper, put it under your pillow, just pay attention to the fact that you were able to take something that was difficult from the past and turn it into something with a silver lining. And secondly, pick one thing, um, pick one dysfunctional relationship that you've had in your life, I think we can all name at least one, with someone that doesn't even have to be walking on the planet anymore. Um, can be somebody that you're currently still having a dysfunctional relationship with or somebody that um, you're still seeking some resolve. Write them a letter expressing what you've learned, asking for forgiveness, expressing your regrets. Don't send it and read it to yourself. Read it to a friend, read it to your therapist, but hold that space again just as a way to open up and create some a little bit more breath around these experiences that we've had. So those are our two action steps for tonight. One, take something from your past that was difficult and turn it into a gift and note it and just simply honor it and embrace it. And the other is to write a letter to whoever you are in a dysfunctional relationship with and just speak your mind, share your heart and your peace. So with that, we want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. You can find us on Instagram at One Soul Radio, Facebook One Soul Radio, stevehassenberg.com, callyalpert.com. And next week, please join us at the same, same time to show the art of non-attachment and non-aversion. Thank you so much for supporting us. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world.